morning. Tell you, I, um, I am kind of glad that we just had that little bit of an interval because I just needed a moment to pull myself together a bit. Um, I don't know about you, but there is something so moving about those moments that we get to witness. And let us never become so familiar with it that we're not moved by the power of what we've just seen. Hearts that are responding in faith to Jesus saying, yes, I want to follow you all my days. How good. Before, well, uh, um, for those of you who don't know me, I am Lani, and it is my privilege this morning to, uh, to be bringing the Word of God. So we're going to get straight into it, um, and I hope that you've come with expectancy for what God is going to speak to your heart this morning, um, because I believe that God is here, He is with us, He is moving, and He wants to speak to hearts this morning, so that we walk out different to the way that we came in. So are you excited this morning, church? Awesome. Let's pray before we go any further. God, we just thank you that we can be here and that we can get to know you more. God, we just come with availability. We make room for you to have your way in our heart. Lord, we put aside distractions and and fix our eyes on you. No matter what might uh, vie for our attention, what situations we might be up against, God, we put it to the side and say, we want to know you more, God, that we wouldn't grow in knowledge but in intimacy. Let that be the prayer of our hearts this morning. And everybody said, Amen. Well, it is a privilege to be here this morning and to witness those moments that we just did, the the moment of baptism. You know, five people this morning baptized. How incredible is that, to witness those moments? And honestly, I think that Baptisms are one of the most moving experiences that we, can, that we can witness as the church, right? Because this is what it's all about. This is literally what we are here for, to see hearts come to know Jesus, to see them say yes to him, and to follow him. You know, that, that there is no greater miracle than a heart transformed, And, you know, I was thinking um, as I was preparing for this message today, I was thinking back to to my own moment where I was baptized. And it was 11 years ago where I was in the tank. And Pastor Jared, it was also Pastor Jared baptizing that day. And he asked me those same two questions that he asked every single candidate who went through the waters today. Same two questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? And do you want to follow him for the rest of your life? And in that moment, I made the declaration that I would follow Jesus. But can I tell you, church, that 11 years has held a lot of life. It was a a moment that happened 11 years ago. But since then, there have been highs, there have been lows, and there have been everything in between. And for some of us in this room, you've done a lot more than 11 years of life with Jesus. And so you have experienced, perhaps even deeper, the roller coaster that life can be. Sometimes it's, it's the most brilliant, you know, there's so many amazing moments and then other times we're stuck in the mundane. Other times we get stuck in, in the roughness and the turbulence of life. But I'm often reminded of the moment in the tank when I was asked, do you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? And I think about it because I believe it's the same question 
that Jesus would ask of us every single day. Are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to follow me in all of life's experiences? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Are you willing to follow me even in the uncertainty? Are you willing to follow me even when it doesn't make sense? Are you willing to follow me even if it costs you? Even when you don't feel like it? And so this morning, in the aftermath of what we've witnessed this morning, I want to look at the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8 and verses 34 to 35. And so if you have your Bibles uh, with you, you can turn there with me. And just to give you uh, some context as to what's happening at this point in the Scripture, Jesus has been performing these incredible miracles. He's just fed a, a crowd of thousands with a little bit of bread and a couple of fish. He's healed people uh, from a range of, of physical and spiritual afflictions. And people keep coming to see him. The crowds keep gathering because word has spread about this promised Messiah. And they hear of this man who's going from place to place performing these miracles. And so they draw near because they want to see it for themselves. They want to witness the miracles. But as the crowd gathers, Jesus says these words, which we read in Mark 8. It says, calling the crowd to him with his disciples... He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Jesus had no trouble drawing a crowd. He had no issue having people come near him. He had no issue having, you know, the the crowds gather wherever he went. But he knew that many in the crowd had just come to spectate. And what Jesus is saying in Mark 8 is that there is more to following me than just showing up. There's more to following me than just showing up. Jesus wasn't interested in drawing a crowd. He wasn't looking for clout. He, was, he wasn't interested in fans. He was looking for followers. And in Mark 8, he tells us exactly what that means. He says, are you willing to come after me? You're wanting to to come do life with me? Great. Here's what that entails. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And this morning, I want to break down a little bit in the short time that we have together what each of those components mean. So are you ready for that this morning, church? The first one, deny yourself. Now, the Greek verb uh, that's actually used here to, uh, for, the, for to deny is aponeomai, which this word in particular is almost always used in connection to, to a person. And so it's the same word um, that's actually used in reference to Peter denying Jesus. And so what Jesus is actually talking about here when he's saying you've got to deny yourself first, he's not just talking about we've got to say no to some stuff. He's actually talking about a complete rejection of ourself. You know, who knows that we live in a very self-obsessed culture. Our culture is so oriented around what we want, what we would desire 
what our plans and our purposes are. Our culture will tell us that in order to find ourselves, you've got to go to the self-help books. You've got to look for experiences or relationships in order to discover who you are. But Jesus is saying to us in Mark 8, you're never going to find yourself by looking for yourself. You're never going to find yourself doing it in your own strength. You have to lose yourself first. And it's only in losing ourselves, in emptying ourselves of our ego, of our own desires, of our own dreams, entirely of ourself, that we discover our identity. You know, he goes on uh, in Mark 8 to say, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. We have to identify church which relationship is the priority, the relationship with ourself or the relationship with Jesus. Which relationship will we prioritize? See, denying ourselves is a complete reprioritization where I stop trying to gain a sense of identity from myself, from the things that I can gain, from any um, relationship that I have. But instead, I build my life upon the cornerstone of Christ. I say, it's in you, Jesus, that I'll find stability and identity because I was built to know you. We're built to know him. So that is the first part. Number one, deny ourselves. Denying ourselves is the priority. But then Jesus says, there's more to it. You've got to take up your cross. Now, what does that even mean? You know, Jesus says these words to his disciples, to the crowd. And in that time, they would have been really confused by what he meant by that because they knew what the cross entailed. They knew what they meant. The cross is what criminals were sent to die on. They knew that the cross meant nails and agony and pain. It's torment. So when Jesus tells his followers that they need to pick up their cross in order to follow him, it wouldn't have been a particularly appealing proposition. But Jesus had a deeper meaning in mind. See, Jesus would later himself carry a cross, the same cross that he would die upon, and and it wasn't a walk of roses. It wasn't an easy task. We read that in the moments before his crucifixion, Jesus is praying to God in in the garden, saying, God, if there's any other way that this can come to pass, let it be so. But in the same breath, in the breath that follows, he says, let it not be my will, but yours. Let it not be my will, my desires, my plans, but let your will, God, be the one that reigns. Let it be so. And so for our sake, Jesus carries the cross in obedience to the will of the Father. And so when Jesus is talking about us carrying our cross, what he's really asking is, what are you willing to carry in obedience? What is it that you are willing to carry in obedience? Carrying our cross means laying ourselves down on the altar of obedience every single day. It's saying, not my will, but yours, God. Not just in one moment, 
but in my every day and every decision. You have an all-access pass to my life, God. I hold nothing back so you can have your way, even if it doesn't align with what I envision for myself. Obedience isn't easy. It's not a popular word and it's not the popular choice. It's not easy. It would be so much easier to just go with what our feelings tell us, to do what it is that feels good, to do what's comfortable or convenient, what costs us the less, the least personally. But what Jesus says to the crowd is, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to follow Jesus even if it means surrender? Are you willing to follow Jesus even if the path looks different to your own plans? Are you willing to follow Jesus even if it means you lose friends? Even if it's the unpopular choice? Are you willing to follow Jesus even if it means that you have to stop pursuing your own personal pleasures? Are you willing to follow Jesus even if it costs you your life? Obedience isn't easy. But Jesus never promised that following him would be, would be cushy. In fact, Jesus himself guarantees that following him will almost certainly guarantee that we will encounter troubles in life. We'll encounter storms, whether they be from external factors, from circumstances, or any kind of inner turbulence. In John 16, Jesus says, I've said these things to you so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart for I've overcome the world. Take heart. That is a promise that we can hold to, church, that no matter what's happening in the midst of the storm, just like Jason was talking about earlier, that it's not a a peace that's dependent on circumstance, but right in the middle of the turbulence, we can have that peace. Obedience isn't easy, but it's knowing that even in the face of the cost, we're not alone. We're not alone because Jesus is with us. And while obedience may mean personal sacrifice, carrying our cross is recognizing that Jesus is worth it. He's worth the cost. So number one, deny yourself. Number two, take up your cross. And number three, follow him. You know, Jesus just says, follow me. That's it doesn't have a time limit indicated. He doesn't say, follow me for 10 years, and then you're good. Then you're on your own. He doesn't say, follow me until we reach a certain point when you've, you know, read X amount of, of Bible verses. He just says, follow me and keep following me and continue to follow me for all your days. See, following Jesus isn't about arriving at a destination. It's about journeying with him. See, when the crowds came, when the crowds came to draw near to Jesus, he, he wasn't actually interested in them just showing up for him. He's like, how far are you willing to take this? Are you willing to, to bear the cost of it? You know, the, the crowd came for their food. They said, Jesus, we've heard of these miracles. We've heard you can provide. We're hungry. Give us something. And Jesus says, I can give you far more than just bread that you eat. I want to give you an eternal fulfillment and satisfaction. 
But the crowds couldn't actually recognize what was being offered to them because they're so wrapped up in what the picture of, of that promise looked like. They were so wrapped up in it, looking a certain way, in fulfilling their own desires and plans that they completely missed the promise that Jesus was giving them. Following Jesus isn't about what we do. It's not about showing up to church on a Sunday. It's not about how many worship songs we have in our playlist. It's not about how loudly we pray, how many Bible verses we know, how good we are. It's got absolutely nothing to do with our own actions. It's simply about following Jesus, just following him, walking where he leads. You know, in Mark 8, when, in where we read, just before Jesus tells the crowd to follow him, he actually tells them about his crucifixion. He says to them, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die on the cross, and then I'm going to be resurrected. And they didn't understand. But I think it's important that we recognize the order in which Jesus spoke to us. That he speaks of his crucifixion first before he talks about following him. He didn't say, if you follow me, I'll go to the cross. He said, I'm going to the cross, so follow me. It's a reminder that, that we're not saved because of what we do. We're not saved because of anything we bring. We follow him because of the transformative revelation that we received when we, when we had that encounter, that moment where, where we recognized the reality of who God is, when we encountered his grace and his truth. You know, 11 years ago, I stood in the baptism tank and I said, I will follow Jesus for all my days. But I would be lying to you if I said that there, there haven't been times and there haven't been seasons where choosing to follow has been tiring. Following can be tiring. It can feel tiring. But I love what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. It says, For Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. See, church, this is obviously not a statement just regarding circumcision, but what it represents. Circumcision was representative of the, of the law, of adherence to the law of Moses. And Paul is saying, you can do that. You can absolutely do that. But don't think that that's where your righteousness will come from. Don't think that's where you're going to find freedom. Don't think that that's where you get grace and mercy. Because if you're looking to the law to give you righteousness, you're going to come up short every single time. What you do has no bearing on your righteousness because it's nothing to do with you. 
The freedom that's offered to us comes from Jesus alone. And I absolutely love these verses and the reminder that they give me because I've come to realize that the fatigue that I can experience doesn't actually come from following Jesus. It comes from picking up the burden that he carried for me. The cross that Jesus died on was the fulfillment of the law. That was it. It was done. That was the cross that righteousness came from. Mercy, grace. It's all mine in the name of Jesus on the cross that he carried. By the work of the cross that he carried. It's not the cross that I have to pick up. It's not the cross that I have to carry. And sometimes I think that we can get tired of following Jesus because we're trying in our own effort to pick up the cross that he already carried for us. Jesus carried the cross of the law so that I didn't have to, so that you didn't have to, so that you didn't have to strive or try in your own effort. What does it mean to follow Jesus? To find our identity in him to walk in obedience and to simply follow him by living in the freedom that he gave to us through the work of the cross, his cross. That's it. That's all we have to do. And so as we witness these moments where we've got hearts saying, I'm going to follow him, let us also be reminded. Let that be a moment where we are renewed in our own spirit of what it means to follow Jesus for ourselves. That it's not a moment that's just left in the past. 11 years ago, I made that decision, that's it, it's all over. I don't have to make it again. But that we would daily get on the cross of obedience. That we would daily put ourselves to death so that we could find our identity in Him. We're going to finish up in just a moment. But my prayer and and my hope for us this morning as we leave is that we would never get caught up in in our own effort and striving in order to, to live out that identity that was given to us through Jesus. That we would just simply respond to what he's done. That's what it means to follow. To deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Simple obedience. As we finish up, why don't we just pray? God, I just thank you that you don't ask any more of us than to simply respond to you, to be obedient to you. And so, God, I just pray that you would bring our hearts into alignment with you and your will. God, that we wouldn't be distracted by the pursuit of our own desires and dreams, but, God, that we would just seek your will, that we would just seek your purposes that we would prioritize relationship with you above all else. No turning back, but that we would be able to pick up our cross daily, respond in obedience to you, and simply follow. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite Pastor Brendan up here uh, to wrap it up before we finish for the rest of the day. Thanks. Thanks.